This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Welcome to Roar to Win. This is Michelle Nagel, your host. And today I have as my guest, Kim Eldridge, who is a story pathfinder, new frontier publisher and best-selling book strategist. I know that there are lots of you out there who have dreamed of having a book in print, and this is the lady that you need to learn more about. She's a best-selling author, and she um, works with message-driven authors to finally write their books so that they can share their message with the world. Kim is the founder and CEO of New Frontier Books, a comprehensive solution that takes authors from idea to written book to marketing an authentic business-building Amazon bestseller. No 99-cent Kindle eBooks here. She holds a degree in creative writing from the University of Arizona and has written 20 books, including an Amazon number four bestseller out of the top 100 books in any genre. Kim lives in northern Arizona with her husband, Ben, and their son. Their family enjoys backpacking, hiking, and camping. She's a true outdoors girl and loves having adventures, the fuel for her creativity and writing. So welcome, Kim. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm just kind of laughing that you enjoy backpacking, which means one of you carries the child and the other one carries everything else. (laughs) Yes, yes. And uh, we did our very first backpacking trip uh, with the baby mm-hmm. just a couple weeks ago. He's uh, 20 months old, so he's a toddler. And yeah, I was I had the dubious honor of carrying him in the backpack. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, my, my other backpack, Michelle, never once reached out and pulled my hair. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> of course, it also never once sang to me either. So oh, singing is much better than screaming. <laughs> yes. Yes, we had, we had a wonderful time, but we definitely had to rethink how we were schlepping our stuff since uh-huh. the majority of both my volume and weight mm-hmm. was 100% taken up with small things. Yes, I imagine. Well, you have to start investigating taking a dog with backpacks <laughs> so that you can have some sort of animal to help you carry everything. You know, this summer we're actually looking at llama packing. An acquaintance of mine is starting that as a business and she needs a shakedown cruise. So I have volunteered oh, us to go backpacking with the llamas. That's perfect. They are such wonderful animals to go places with. I used to own an alpaca farm. So that's I'm cool. really excited about it. It sounds just fabulous. Well, that's wonderful. So, Kim, tell me a little bit more about yourself and exactly what it is that you do. Awesome. Well, Michelle, I really love to help people with a message who want to write a book make that dream a reality. Mm -hmm. And it's not at all about like, oh, it's time for me to write a book so I can check that off. Mm -hmm. You know, if anything, that's the exact person that I don't work with. I want to help people to write those books that they know that they are called to help more people mm-hmm. and that they really understand that that book stands in for them when they are unable to be there. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's that message that just transcends our ability to connect with people through any other platform. 
That's a really wonderful ex explanation of what that is that you do. So thank you. I know that when I wrote my book, it was 10 years in the making, not because it took me that long to write it, but because it was me going, you should write a book. Don't be stupid. What makes you think anybody would want to read anything you have to write anyway? Mm. You know, it was that kind of a thing. So I probably spent nine years doing that <laughs> <laughs> and three months writing my book. Um, because when it, when it was time for the book to be born, it was time. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, and that, that is so very much the truth. And I really have to hand it to you, Michelle, because most people, once they hit the five-year mark of dreaming, mm -hmm. are so committed to the pain. They're mm -hmm. so committed to the desire mm -hmm. that they can't tip over into action. Interesting. So I really have to hand it to you for having kept that dream alive for so long and kicking it into the action and then getting it done. Yay. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it seems to be a very daunting process to people. So do you have some way to break it down so that it's not so daunting? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think that I think a large part of our problem when we're writing these nonfiction books because um, I work exclusively with nonfiction. Let me just, let me just throw that out there. Novelists are awesome, but you guys are a breed unto yourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't understand you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think, I think the biggest part when we're looking at writing this book and we want to share our message because we want to help people, the number one thing that really gets in people's way is that they start with putting words on the page. Mm -hmm. And that is an inevitability of writing a book. At some point, you have to put pen to paper or fingers to keys and put words on a page. Right. But when you take that as step one, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. Mm. You know, because we have this flash of inspiration, mm -hmm. right? And we're like, right. oh, this is what I'm going to write my book about. And you rush to the computer and you pour your heart and soul out and that lasts for a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Typically for most people, that's like three to five pages, uh -huh. maybe a couple of weeks and mm -hmm. then you derail. And it's because like with so many other things, you're jumping ahead in the steps. Mm -hmm. And so really your, your very first step with, with wanting to write your book is your message. Mm -hmm. What is it really that you want to share? And when you really know what your message is, how you are going to help this person, mm -hmm. how you are going to sit next to them on the couch, like you're holding their hand over your favorite cup of coffee and telling your reader, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. When you start from that place, then you're able to get into action and and putting words on the page becomes that beautiful inevitability. But when you start with those words on the page, that frenzy, it can't last. Mm -hmm. So who should write a book? You said you didn't want to be working with people who decide that it's time. So who exactly should be the ones to do it? Okay, so if you're having a bunch of people tell you, oh my gosh, Michelle, you've got such a great story, you should write a book. Mm -hmm. And if that feeling is heavy mm -hmm. and yucky, you shouldn't write a book. 
If you're writing it because that's the next logical step in your business, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't write a book. The people who should write the book are the ones who recognize that they have a message and that the vehicle that they want to use is a book. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've, I've met with lots of authors over the years and my favorite, my favorite one for the should book was this lady who was getting over and over and over. She should write a book. 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 And when she got on the phone with me, Michelle, she was just blotto. Mm-hmm. She wasn't triggering any of those things where it was like, oh, I'd love to work with this person. And so finally <laughs> I just asked her and I said, if I could wave a magic wand and you could do whatever you wanted for the next year, it uh-huh. doesn't take a year, but I just wanted a longer piece of time for her. Right. And I said, what would you do? And she said, I want to just work in my goat rescue and play with my grandkids. Mm-hmm. And I said, then don't write a book. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I've also had other people come to me who are message driven, but they're not called to use this book as the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to be message driven and want to have a podcast. Mm-hmm. have a series of videos, speak from stage, reach, have your message reach people with other ways. Mm-hmm. But you should write a book if, the, if that vehicle is calling to you, even if the idea of writing it is frightening. Okay. That's, that's very, very clear as you were uh, describing and I was thinking about my next book, which is, I've got my, um, my outline all over the wall. One entire wall is completely covered with it. And so as you're talking, I'm looking at it in my head going, hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if I'm doing this correctly. I think I am. But <laughs> it's, it's, uh, my new book is something I feel really strongly about. And um, I think people really need it. So here we are. This is what we're doing again. And that is an excellent indication that Mm -hmm. you should write a book and that now is the right time Mm -hmm. because while sitting down with that flash of inspiration is not enough to keep you going through the whole book writing process. Mm -hmm. If you're not having a flash of inspiration, then it's what my dad calls having your ladder on the wrong wall. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be a should book. (laughs) <laughs> it should be a get to. And, and, you know, sometimes Michelle, that's kind of, it's kind of hard to, ins- to, to ascertain because sometimes people will come to me and they have to write a book, mm-hmm. but it's not the type of have to like, Oh, I have to do the dishes. It's more of like the, like when I was pregnant mm-hmm. and it was, I have to have an Oreo and I have to have it right now. <laughs> It's yes. that type of have to, like the, oh, oh my God, oh, I just I have to do this and I'm so excited. Uh-huh. That's a good indication. But we can't sustain that level of passion through the whole project. Mm-hmm. So when that, when that wanes, as it will, then we start to second guess ourselves and think that we shouldn't write the book. Mm-hmm. That who are we to be doing this? And those mental monsters start to come in. Right. Is that a really common one? Who am I anyway? Actually, that is. That is the number one mental monster that I deal with. Interesting. So there are five mental monsters that keep people from writing their book. Mm-hmm. And 
the one that I would say trips people up in the biggest, most dramatic way is who am I? I am, you know, I don't have enough certifications. I don't have enough degrees. I haven't done this enough. I'm not the expert. I'm, I, who am I? I don't have enough intrinsically to create this. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's the number one, that's the number one mental monster that trips people up. Hmm. I'm laughing about not having uh, enough certifications. I think some of us carry around tons of certifications. And just one more is not going to help. <laughs> oh my gosh, isn't that totally the truth? I work with these wonderful women. And I've noticed this more specifically um, in, in women than in men who have complete and total alphabet soup after their names. They are absolutely an expert, but every time their, their knowledge or their desires shift just like five degrees, they think that they have to rush out and get more education. Mm-hmm yeah, like you don't, mm -hmm. you're, you're good. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we don't give enough um, credence to experience. I mean, life experience is how many certificates is that worth? You know, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because this is, this is like one of my soapboxes is you are uniquely qualified for this message mm -hmm. because you are the sum total of yes, your education, but your experiences and your beliefs and the things you've done and the things that have happened to you, both good and bad, mm -hmm. and the people that you know and the people that you impact. And all of that comes together to make your message completely uniquely you. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why why we can have so many experts that teach, um, let's just pick on speaking, mm -hmm. so many experts that can teach speaking and they all <clears throat> have so much to teach us. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to resonate with all of them. You're going to resonate with your right person. Right. So why, if, if we can accept that outside of ourselves, can we not accept it for our own book and our own message? We don't have to be the be all end all of everything or even in our niche or our genre. Mm -hmm. It's not trying to be everything to everybody. It's trying to be the key to your reader's lock. Right. And your message fits that and then can unlock them in such beautiful ways. Right. Yeah. And but there's... we let our mental monsters get in the freaking way. Of course. And there's a lot of people who have a lot of education that don't have degrees attached to them that, um, that they have studied and learned. And um, I've actually studied psychology for 30 years now, <laughs> probably a lot more than the psychologists that are actually practicing. So we, we get these kinds of expertise and then we um, put them in, in the books. So we're told as entrepreneurs that a book is a vehicle to really move your business forward. What is your thought on that? That's a yes and. Okay. Because, yeah, it, it absolutely is a tool to move your business forward when it's used in a proper way. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's the, it's time for me to write the book, check the box. 
those books are often boring. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let's, let's just call a spade a spade here. I mean, years ago when I started my business, I had, I was hired to do an edit on a book for mm -hmm. a client who was in the online business space. And it was literally like a check the box. Now mm -hmm. I have to write my book. And Michelle, that book was so boring. I was paid to read it and could barely finish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. There was no passion. There was no message that came through it. Uh -huh. So that type of book doesn't move your business and it didn't move hers. Mm -hmm. But imagine when you have this book that is your message distilled down. Mm -hmm. When you are connecting with your reader heart to heart and soul to soul. And through the book writing process, you're creating so much of yourself. Mm -hmm. How could that book, if it's published, <laughs> not move your business forward? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have no problem with bestsellers. Like, that's one of the things that I do is help people create a business-building, best-selling book launch. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, is you will never see me doing a 99-cent Kindle ebook. Mm -hmm. You got me started now, girl. <laughs> I want you guys to imagine a dollar bill. Uh-huh. And then I want you to imagine handing that to your perfect person, your client, your reader, and saying, here you go. Your pain is worth a buck. Wow. We would never do that. We mm -hmm. would never cheapen somebody's need for us and their desire for a better life mm -hmm. by telling them that they were worth a dollar. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing this 99 cent ebook launch, you're not just telling them that you're not telling, no, no, you're just, you're not just telling yourself that you are worth a dollar, but you're telling your reader that they are only worth a buck. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of, uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. So when I do a bestseller launch for somebody, it's not just about the book. It's not just about having that bestseller. Mm -hmm. Because it does open doors. Mm -hmm. But what I want to do is I want to increase your reach. I want to help you reach the people that you're meant to reach through the book, but also in other ways that can positively impact your business. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really that, that difference where it doesn't end with a $12 or $20 book. It starts there. That's the beginning of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And you don't ever start that conversation with something that isn't your message. Okay. So it if all you, ties back to that. So if you have the people who, who do, because we are told to talk, I mean, that's the, the, um, the main way that people tell people to become bestsellers is to do the 99 cent thing. Um, and so you're saying that, that that cheapens both the reader and the author. Absolutely. So when you do them, what's the difference? If you, are you charging full price at your um, launches? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and not to get too far down into the weeds with this, because it, none of this matters until you have your book written. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you know, let's be really honest with that. And it has to be a book that you're super proud of. Uh -huh. 
because there's a lot of effort and momentum that goes in with a bestseller book launch. Mm -hmm. But when I do them, I don't even want to have the Kindle versions released yet. Okay. And there's some nuancey stuff around that. We don't have to get down into the weeds, but do it with the paperback and do it at full price. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, let's be honest, I mean, books are typically $20 or less. You're worth it at $20. Mm -hmm. They are worth it at $20. Mm -hmm. And you can absolutely have a bestseller launch at full price. Hmm. That's intriguing. And then from the bigger business, when you realize that this is, just a piece in reaching these people. It a $20 book doesn't make you a low cost leader. Mm -hmm. You yeah. really can move from that $20 book with the right, with a message driven book, you can move it into selling high ticket. That's very interesting because you just had uh, the analogy that came into my mind is for that exact same dollar. I could go buy a candy bar right? and I would probably be more likely to ingest it then the people who buy those 99 cent Kindles, probably the majority of them don't even bother to read them. See, and you know what, Michelle, that's the other, that's really the other thing. You know, um, think about for all of us that have Kindles, mm -hmm. first off, that strategy is predicated on the ability to read the books on Kindles or your smartphones or there can be a technology barrier to entry for people to actually get your work. But sure, we see that, you know, come across our Facebook so-and-so is having a bestseller launch, 99 cents. And you're like, oh, I can, I can help them out for a buck, click. Mm -hmm. But if you never read it, then you never get the message that they wanted in that book. They, you don't get the transformation that the author wanted for mm -hmm. you. Right. And if it's just a check the box, so I have my book, book written, maybe you don't care. But for the authors that I work with, we want to positively change the worlds of our reader. Mm -hmm. not, not necessarily all the billions of souls on the planet, but the hundreds of thousands of people that we reach, we mm -hmm. want to change their lives for the better. Right. And you have to get them to read it. So mm -hmm. let them have some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Let them invest at full price. Let them wait anxiously for the UPS guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. So, um, so when people oftentimes, because it is the check the box kind of a thing, they kind of don't um, go through things like editing. <laughs> I've noticed some of those and, you know, they skip steps because they're just trying to make that goal. And how does that affect an individual for anything that they might want to write later? Okay, that is a really excellent question. Because I mean, think about this. There's all these statistics about how many thousands of books are published on Amazon every week. And there's this nasty little thing that floats around about how nobody buys these books. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because self-publishing, and, and I'm a huge fan of self-publishing, self-publishing is also self-cleansing. Mm -hmm. There's an energetic that goes out with those books that aren't edited, mm -hmm. the books that even the author knows is kind of crappy. Uh -huh. And when you put that energy onto the book, it's no surprise that nobody's going to buy it. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all seen it where we've, we've gone, especially with Kindle, we've gone and we, there's no barrier to get them. Right. You know, it's like click the button and boom, there it is. And so 
if it's a poorly written, poorly edited, all over the place, no message, and it's clear that the author didn't care, it mm-hmm. was just, oh, look, I have a book, we don't finish reading it. Mm-hmm. And then whatever that author did invest in the process just goes straight out the window. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to be proud of what you have. Be willing to take all of those steps. And yeah, editing is one of them. Mm-hmm. So is there um, the value of saying, oh, I'm an author, which anybody can be. We just mm-hmm. discussed that. Um, and being an author of a book that is well-written and will change people's lives, how does that, uh, the difference of being able to say, oh, I'm an author, I'm a best-selling author, or I'm a best-selling author of a book that actually does something? Was that a logic? I mean, I think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have a very dear friend of mine, um, and I, I was her client. Mm-hmm. And we were doing um, like diet and exercise. I, I was having arguments with food, meaning I would eat and I wasn't getting energy. And so she and I had been working together for over six months when I found out that she was actually a published author. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why aren't you promoting this book? Mm-hmm. She wasn't proud of it. Uh-huh. It it wasn't message driven. It had been one of those check the box things. And what Mm -hmm. I've seen is that those books have a very, very short shelf life. Mm -hmm. You'll do them. You'll check that box, but you can't stay in integrity and authenticity around them because you know that it wasn't your best work. Mm -hmm. And those fizzle. And you find out you're embarrassed by them then. So they become more of an embarrassment than something that can promote your business. Right. And you know, Mm -hmm. Michelle, I've seen that happen both for solo books. It's only your name on the cover. And also for people who have been in um, the anthologies where you're, you're Mm -hmm. writing a chapter, maybe you bought that chapter. Right. Um, But if it isn't your best stuff, yeah, you're embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have 20 books and a lot of them are about outdoor recreation and some of my books are better than others, mm-hmm. but I'm not embarrassed by any of them. Mm-hmm. There isn't a single book in my canon where I wish I hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a huge difference. I can look on Amazon and do a search. It's under Kimberly Eldridge. Um, if I had known then what I know now. I would have published under Kim because I don't go by Kimberly. <laughs> okay. But unwrapping that was, it's, it's not worth it. Um, but there's not a single book that comes up that's there that I'm not proud of. There isn't a single book that comes up on my list that I wish I hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're, they all, across all the different genres that I've written in, all came back to my message. Mm-hmm. And... And there's some some really interesting statistics. When you have a book, speakers are 40 to 50 times more likely to get scheduled onto a stage if they're an author, if they have a book. Mm-hmm. But that stat won't hold if you're embarrassed by your book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what is the, the 
we, we talked about some of this, about the mindset, which is that I'm not good enough or whatever. But once, once you're able to get past that, then what is next that stops people from writing their books? A lot of times, so, so let's assume, Michelle, that you've, you've done these steps in order and we, we've, we've created your, you know what your message is. You've created your plan. Mm -hmm. You've figured out how you're going to tell stories. So you're engaging heart to heart with your reader. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to write the book. Mm-hmm. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you have to, you're no longer a wannabe. Mm-hmm. You're doing it. And I'm not a time management expert, but what I can say is right here, when, when you are in this season of your book and you're writing it, the thing that prevents people is that they're not understanding the power of what I call mini goals. Mm-hmm. It's the daily activities that you take over and over and over that are allowing you to see success. Mm-hmm. That we have this idea that we write once, you know, for a half an hour or for an afternoon, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. But writing a book, there is that point where it does become day after day after day, you're sitting down and putting words on the paper. Right. And when you don't understand how to set a mini goal and how to continually reset those mini goals, that's where you get derailed. Mm-hmm. And so what would a mini goal look like? I'm so glad you asked that. (laughs) Now, a mini goal, this is very specifically for your book. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a mini goal is something that you say, I will not go to sleep without having met this minimum achievement. Mm -hmm. So for my, here's what I do for my clients. It's either a minimum of 15 minutes a day or a half a page. Mm Now, here's the piece that they miss, minimum. (laughs) Yes. So that means that you can do more. Mm -hmm. But it means on those days where everything is craptastic and the cat puked on the carpet and, you know, the kids escaped out the dog door and ran away to grandma's, you know, those double Mondays, it means you have my permission to do either 15 minutes or a half a page. Mm Mm-hmm. On the days where it's just a normal day, that's, that's the minimum that you're striving for. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you're writing for half an hour, but you know that after 15 minutes, if it's not going well, you can stop. Mm-hmm. And the other place where people get tripped up with these mini goals is they aren't hearing me when I say very specifically that they don't add up. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not 15 minutes today and 20 minutes tomorrow and 25 minutes It's not that. It is a minimum of 15 minutes Mm -hmm. on every single day that ends with Y. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then let's say, let's say we missed it. It was a crazy Monday and I, I missed it. On Tuesday, it's not a half an hour minimum. Mm -hmm. It's 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's, you're always, the other thing that people get tripped up is they're always striving for just that minimum, which Mm -hmm. is, Trust me, if that's all you did, that's really good. But I like to look at it as after that 15 minutes, I have permission to stop and I have permission to keep going. Okay. So when the writing is really flowing and everything is going and the stories are coming and I've got all these ideas, go for it, girl. Okay. 
But when it's those days where every word is laborious and it's a struggle Mm -hmm. at 15 minutes, it's okay. I can say enough. I'll come back to it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that you can guess what happens at the end of the week. Let's, let's use a half a page a day. Mm -hmm. Like if that was all you did, it was a, it was a bad week and you were just hitting that minimum. You had a bad week, and at the end of the week, you have three and a half new pages on your book. Mm-hmm. You can quickly extrapolate that out to see how fast things add up. Mm-hmm. And when we're being really honest, you know, can you write a book in a half a page a day? Sure, but it's going to take you a lot longer. Right. But you can't write a book in a page a week. Or a page every other week. Or, oh, I have one free Saturday afternoon. Let me jam it all in there. Right. Because the the amazing thing with mini goals is that they release the pressure valve Mm -hmm. that's called Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, people think when they're writing this book that we have to cancel our business, take a vacation from our lives, and focus and do nothing but the book, which isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. or that you have to give up every single Saturday afternoon to lock yourself on your laptop. Mm-hmm. And that's not sustainable either. No, so, it isn't. Right? Like it, just the thought of that makes me kind of ill. <laughs> and then what happens is you have this three hours on Saturday and then you look up and you have 10 minutes left. And right. you wonder where did the other two hours and 15 minutes go? You squandered it somehow. Right. So instead of setting up unrealistic expectations for how most of us are able to interact with time, give yourself the tools that you need. Mm -hmm. Learn how to make friends with, it's a non-negotiable, I'm going to do the minimum before I go to bed, and on every day that I can, I'm going to do far more than the minimum. Mm -hmm. And it it builds up. And the coolest thing about writing a book as opposed to like exercising. Okay. So if you and I stopped what we were doing right now and did three push ups, would our arms look any different? No, no. <laughs> How many weeks would we have to do three push ups a day before our arms started to look different? Uh, yes, that's a good point. <laughs> but when you have this mini goal and if you write for 15 minutes, If you wrote for 15 minutes and you only got three sentences, you can see it right there on the page. Right. If your mini goal was a half, a half a page and maybe it took you three hours, but you can see it right there on the page. And so that's the coolest thing about writing. You it's, it's instant gratification. You're not done, but dude, more stuff right there on the screen, looking back at me. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I always tell my people is that a lot can be fixed in editing. I Uh used to say everything, but I don't believe that anymore. A lot (laughs) can be fixed in editing, but I can't fix anything if it's still locked in your head. Right. That's a very good point. We're going to have to take a small break and then we're going to come back and continue our conversation with Kim Eldridge, who is, um, wow, if you've ever wanted to write a book, this is a lady you need to be listening to. So we'll be right back. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? 
<laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back to Roar to Win. This is Michelle Nagel, and our guest today is Kim Eldridge, who is your story pathfinder, new frontier publisher and best-selling book strategist. So, um, Kim, you talk a lot about story, but what if this? What if you're trying to write a how-to book? How do you wrap stories into that, and why is story so important? Story is how we as humans interact with the world. You know, there's this, uh, there's this old chestnut that just because it's cliche doesn't make it any less real, that people will forget what you told them, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Right. So when you are telling story, you're giving your reader the ability to engage emotionally with what you're trying to teach them. Yes, mm -hmm. even in a how-to. Mm -hmm. So then... Maybe they're not exactly remembering your acronym, mm -hmm. but because you changed their heart, they are able to remember and implement the principles. Okay. And the biggest one, the biggest, the author that I always trot out the most as the master of this is Dale Carnegie. Mm -hmm. So how to win friends and influence people. Right. When I was in high school, my folks decided that I was, turning into a bratty teenager. <laughs> and I was assigned to read how to win friends and influence people before I was allowed to do any other type of recreational reading. Hmm. So I threw an ever love and hissy fit and they were serious. And so I sat down to read this book fully intending to hate it. Uh -huh. And after, and you know, I'm, I'm an author, so that makes me a reader. So it means like I will happily sit down and read stereo instructions <laughs> until you tell me that I have to. Uh -huh. <laughs> so against my better desires, I didn't want to enjoy the book. I didn't want to learn anything from it. I was just going to read it and get back to my life. But through the use of story, I started putting myself in in, into the learning from this book. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was 20 years ago when I first read this and I, I read it occasionally. Um, it, it's a good book. I read it occasionally, you know, maybe once every couple of years, my whole adult life. I cannot tell you what his principles are like in his words, principle number one, do this. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you some of the stories from the book. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the story about 
why knowing and using somebody's name is so important. Mm-hmm. Because I could imagine myself in that position in the book. Mm-hmm. And so what will happen as people are listening even to this, you won't necessarily remember my diatribes about mini goals because there wasn't a whole lot of storytelling in that section. Right. But you'll remember some of the stories that I've shared with you over our time together because it impacted you heart to heart. So it's even more important when you're writing a how-to book is to help them engage with that material because they won't remember your acronym. Mm -hmm. But they'll remember those principles that you were sharing because it touched them emotionally. Yeah, and we underestimate, we underestimate emotions so much. What about the vulnerability that um, the author feels? How do they deal with, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm trying to tell somebody, like my first book, my biggest thing was vulnerability, because it's called Suffering is Optional, Step Out of Darkness into the Light. I had to talk about my childhood and about what it was like for me to grow up. And... Um, I felt really vulnerable and I was afraid that, you know, people would hunt me down and they have, <laughs> but it wasn't nearly as bad as I feared it would be, you know? So, um, so how do you help authors deal with that, that fear of vulnerability? It's a, it's a real thing. So I never want to, poo-poo anybody's fears. Mm -hmm. But just like you said, Michelle, it seems like the reality wasn't, it didn't live up to the expectation of the fear. Right. So when I'm looking at, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with an author and we're working with these scary personal stories, Mm -hmm. we start off by remembering that as you're writing it, it is not appearing on anybody's Kindle. Mm Mm-hmm. You have the utmost privacy as you're writing it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's me, your mentor, and you, the author, and that's it. And there are so many steps that can happen between when you're writing it and when it goes to publication mm-hmm. that we can alter the stories so they're still impactful for the reader, mm-hmm. but maybe they're not as harsh mm-hmm. to you, the narrator, or the people who are also in it. Mm-hmm. But when you're living that story, when you're creating it on the page, it's a lot like a telephone call. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had to make one of those really, really scary telephone calls? Yes. And then you realize you have all the power. Because if it ever gets too scary, hang up. Yes. (laughs) Nobody has ever once reached through my telephone and gotten me. That's a good point, yes. So as you're writing this story, you, and I'm not, I am not trained in counseling or I'm not a psychologist, like, I, and I don't play one on TV, but there's such a liberation that happens when we're working with our own stories and we're creating that reality on the page mm-hmm. and it cleans us out. Mm-hmm. And just because you write it doesn't mean you have to use it. Right. That's true. The other thing with story is, and you picked up on this, that we instantly think that it has to be our own stories. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't necessarily have to be your own story in your book. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're writing a memoir, duh, it is. But if you're worried about your own personal vulnerability, if it's too scary, if it paints you as a hot mess rather than as a survivor, mm -hmm. what if you didn't use your story? What if you used somebody else's story that illustrated the point that comes back to your reader? Mm -hmm. Because it's not about us as authors. It's not about the narcissistic, look at me, look at me, I'm this author. It's about that impact that you have to the reader. And it's all about them. Mm -hmm. The stories that we pick are all to help the reader. It's all to make them feel so the reader can transform. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that story that you have to pick isn't your story. Sometimes that isn't the best for the reader. Sometimes it's better to use a different story. Mm-hmm. Good point there. So um, I find sometimes when I'm writing, I can sit down and write for a period of time, but I get like three words on and immediately I'm starting to edit before I even finish my sentence. And it it's like then by the time I'm done editing, I forgot what I was saying. So how do you deal with that? isn't that the truth? Okay, so that comes in from this idea that we know somebody is going to be reading it someday. Mm -hmm. But what I've found with working with so many authors is that your raw writing is usually actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. You can't edit worth crap though. <laughs> okay. So, and this is hard. Like this is hard. I, I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't hard, but to turn off your inner editor and your inner critic. Mm -hmm. There is a place for that, but it is not in the, it's not at the moment of creation. Mm -hmm. At the moment of creation, you have my permission to write badly. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, now here's the interesting thing. And I was just working with my, uh, with my current VIP group about this today was that I give you permission to write badly. It, it, that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm going to pretend I don't know what a comma is, but you're not. It just write, let it out. Mm -hmm. And when I say you have permission to write badly, you also don't have permission to self-edit. Okay. And typically what happens when people take this to heart, they don't write badly. Mm -hmm. They also do not write brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Nobody writes brilliantly. We edit brilliantly. Oh, okay. But we can create that brilliance. We can create where every word sings and has meaning and it's the exact right word in the exact right place with the perfect rhythm and timing and lyricalness. And, and you're lucky if you can write one sentence like that. Okay. If you try to make that your reality for the entire book from your first draft, mm -hmm. you're putting too much pressure on yourself. That would be like asking a four-year-old who just put on her ballet slippers to dance Swan Lake. We would never expect it of a child. We would never expect it of our students mm -hmm. to be flawless out the get-go. So why do we expect it of ourselves? Hmm. That is a very, very, very good point because... Um, I think a lot of people will begin writing a book, 
but never finish it because when they go back and read it, they all they can see is the flaws. Absolutely. Although occasionally I do run into somebody who has written a book without mentorship and then they come to me for structural editing or something and they're so in love with what they've created mm-hmm. that they can't humble themselves enough to see that they weren't serving the reader. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why I really advocate for getting mentorship while you are writing. Mm-hmm. We're okay with getting mentorship with everything else. Right. You know, with, with business, with health, with our relationships, it, it's okay to not be perfect, mm-hmm. but yet there's this thing with writing and dude, it, it comes straight from the media, like film, that it's this idea that I have to be, you know, with my fingerless gloves and my single cal- candle and I'm the tortured artist. And, I've got <laughs> black and, and like, there's this romantic notion of the tortured author. Mm-hmm. Why? That sounds really painful. Like that, that kind of sounds like you were constipated and you're too stubborn to go to the doctor to figure out what's wrong with your digestive tract. If you wouldn't do that, if you wouldn't let your kid go through that, why would you let your writing go through that? And so when you work with a mentor, you can see where your strengths and weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. You can see where you're not serving the reader. You're only serving yourself. You can see where you need more stories, where you're not being clear, where you're overwhelming the reader. And that mentor gives you, I don't want to say like the instant feedback, but it's that ongoing as we're going, making it the best book possible. And it has nothing to do with hunting down commas. Mm Mm-hmm. Although we can fix some of your bad habits in the writing rather than in the editing later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at you, passive voice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or always writing in third person while you're trying to tell your story. <laughs> Precisely. You know, there are some of those technical aspects of writing that we can correct with the mentorship. Mm-hmm. But typically when we're mentoring, it's looking at, What is your message? How are we serving the reader? And how can we improve your storytelling skills? Mm -hmm. Whether that's writing a memoir or it's a how-to book and you're weaving your own stories in or whether you're using stories that weren't personally about you. Mm -hmm. And and then when it does come into editing, there's far less work to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you recommend that people who are who feel passionate about their topic and feel that it's something that the world needs to know about um, before they begin writing, there are some steps that they need to go to. What is the first step? The first step is really getting clear on your message. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds like marketing junk, junk. Okay, that sounds like your I help statement. Mm-hmm but it isn't. Message is far more expansive. Mm-hmm. Message doesn't condense down into one pretty clean sentence. Mm-hmm. Message is how and why you are connecting heart to heart with your reader. It's encompassing your 
love of them and how you want them to be okay. Mm -hmm. And knowing in your bones what your message is. And that's not just for the book. That's for your message, for who you are, Mm -hmm. changes how you write your book. And so it's not, finding your message isn't one of those things that it's like, oh, I'm just going to take 15 minutes and figure out what my book topic is. Your book topic is is influenced by your message, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And that's really this first beautiful step. And most people don't even know that it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds... um it sounds like a process of, of very much looking inside yourself, trying to determine what it is that you want to say, because, because the way you put it is like at, that you want to, what is your message? Is your message just disconnected ideas or is there a solution at the end? So is it necessary to have a solution? if when you're writing or it does it is it kind of the way that you wrap it up neatly and put a little bow on it see and what i'm hearing is all of the training that you and i have both had around business around mm-hmm. the transformation for the reader mm-hmm. and that isn't message okay so let me give you an example because sometimes it's easier to wrap your head around this mm-hmm. so my background a bunch of my books are about outdoor recreation camping mm-hmm. fishing geocaching and I thought at the time that my, my message was how to have fun in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. But that really isn't it. It was really about a lifetime of spending time in nature with my family, creating powerful, positive, loving memories mm-hmm. of camping trips. Mm-hmm. of knowing that no matter how much I'm, I'm an only child. So knowing how much I might be arguing with my parents mm-hmm. in this moment or in that moment, that there are afternoons spent with power bait underneath my fingernails, mm-hmm. fishing, knowing that these people always have my back and I always have theirs. Mm-hmm. And, my message is drawing out this generational love of each other, of happy memories, and of how nature is the facilitator mm-hmm. for this foundation of love and adventure. Mm-hmm. And I've met your father, and I've watched the two of you interacting with one another, and there is that obvious love and respect between each other. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really wonderful. So Kim, how can people reach you so that they can solve their problem of how the heck do I write my book? Absolutely. So the best place to start is with the five mental monsters that keep you from writing your book. Mm -hmm. So when you get this, I go through what the five mental monsters are and what to do about them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also gets you on my list so we can continue the conversation because I'm sure that you can see that it's, it's not like, oh, here's your checklist. You rush out and go do the thing. 
Right. You can find this at five mentalmonsters.com. So that's the number five mentalmonsters.com. And so you'll get, you'll get the instant download of what these five mental monsters are, but then you'll also get um, a short little email series that gives you even more insight mm -hmm. so that we can start to pave the way for those things that are holding you back to get you the monster spray. So then we can start to have the conversations uh -huh. about what is your message and why does that matter? And what do you want to bring to the world and what goes in this book and what doesn't mm -hmm. so that we can take your message out. That's really wonderful. So it was five mental monsters.com. Five mental monsters.com. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Kim, for being with us today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I, I hope that those, those wannabe authors who have been unable to take that step will contact you and have a conversation with you. I can't wait. And thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's absolutely been my pleasure. Sure. Take care. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.